Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I'm your host, Justin. I'm here with Jason and Dan, our co-hosts, for this winning War Cry segment. We're happy to have all of you here. We're happy to have all of you listening. And we're happy to have all of the engagement that you guys have given us. We've had some great comments on our last few videos. We've had some folks talk about us in the Discord, um, some of the shows. We appreciate everything. Uh, it's just nice to know that people actually listen. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh dan do you ever feel like that's the way with I, you get a lot of engagement on your videos so you know people are listening to your videos i unfortunately about a year ago had to give up responding to every single comment yeah uh, <laughs> so um i do love the engagement and i uh, apologize to everyone i don't engage with as much as they deserve yeah, it's, you know, and, and I mean, I think everybody understands that, right? Like, there's like, a ton, if there's a ton of comments, like, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's tough to really do it, especially if it's a substantive comment. Uh, in our last video, we um, had one of our uh, viewers on YouTube, he like was writing a book about the terrain and like all he was going into. And I was like, holy cow. And it was a great comment. Like, it was really good. So I love I getting compelled. those five paragraph essays. They're great. <laughs> I read all of them. I don't, yeah. I don't respond to every comment, but I still read every comment. And I, I really like those really long ones. They're great. Yeah. So, yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. And we have had a couple of people jump into our discord. I'm going to mention it earlier this time because I think uh, if you're not listening to the end, you don't hear me remind you. But it is in the comments below. It is in the comments of the podcast. Um, jump in our Discord. Like, come come hang out with us. We yeah. we talk a lot of different things. The uh, topic du jour right now, um, when it's not work right, is Diablo 4. It seems like everybody um, in our Discord is jumping in on that. So. Um, I have a feeling that there's a nice Venn diagram of Warcry players and Diablo 4 players. So, Do they know. still have Kingdom Shadow Stalkers in Diablo? Because Diablo 3 was all about Knight Shadow Stalkers, right? So, <laughs> do they still have? Do they have them in four too? Um, I don't know. That, yeah, I don't know that I've seen the Knight Shadow Stalkers, but there are plenty and plenty of. Um, of uh corn demons that are in there you know sure. all, every time i kill the fallen they call them fallen in there i'm just like they're corn demons or corn demons you know <laughs> yeah fair enough corn demons they're... and flesh eater courts have always been in the diablo franchise yeah yeah for sure in fact there's little ghouls that you know you fight off and mm -hmm. i'm just like oh my gosh like i'm just i'm i'm terrified of the uh crypt horrors that are gonna come eventually yeah. you know so yeah. But uh, yeah, so join us in the Discord, hop in, come talk to us, um, and uh, we'd love to have you. But without further ado, let's get uh, for uh, let's get going with the show. We're going to be talking about the Quester Soulsworn today, and uh, we're very excited about that. And having fun in Warcry. Are if you're not having fun, are you really playing Warcry? So we're going to talk about doing that. Uh, but before we get started, Jason, how is what, what's on your hobby table right now? What's on my hobby table? The, my yeah. Aspergon True Blades are on my hobby table. Ooh. So slowly working. I've got my paint scheme figured out, and uh, I'm, uh, I've got I've got one of them primed. I used to just batch prime everything, then I would batch paint. But this time, I really want to make sure I'm happy with my paint scheme. So I just primed one, and I'm painting one, and I'm stepping back and like looking at it right now and deciding if I like the flesh color that's on those uh, uh, not vampires or not. So, but I went with the monk feel, right? So I've got a, I've got some deep red 
with a contrasting yellow. So it's a deep red on the cloak and then oh, yellow right. on the inner robe. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, and then uh, the flesh, I'm working on kind of, you know, a purplish, a purplish uh, uh, pallid witch flesh look. But I'm not quite, I haven't built up my pallid witch flesh yet to make it look uh, as kind of um, dead skinnish as I want. Yeah. So it still looks more like kind of living, living flesh, but just uh, purplish living flesh, like really sunburned. And so I, I've got kind of that base, and now I'm going to slowly go in my layers and try to add the pallid witch flesh, so it kind of start lightens up, and feels a little like maybe decay color. Because I feel like these guys are not yeah. as like they've kind of been staunching off the the. Um, I guess it's not really decay with vampires, but they've been staunching off kind of the death transformation because they've not been you know drinking and giving into their crave as much. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's kind of what I'm going for with this. But that's what's on my table right now. So are you going for like a yellowish one or the more classic like purplish blue kind of dead skin? It's more like so I took I took um, like I said I've got a nice. I, I base coated with, I, I'll show you one next, next show. I'll show them, but I base coated with just a nice solid orange on the robe. And okay. then I went over that with a deep, rich red. Yeah. Um, so, so you've kind of got this on the edges of the robe, you've got the orange highlight, but then you've got the real robe is like deep red in the crevices. And then the inner robe is a bright yellow, not super bright actually, but it's, it's enough of a contrast yellow. So it's kind of got that monk color scheme to it that monastery color scheme to it and then the skin i used the normal peach skin uh and i put uh caribou crimson in to get okay. into the recesses to get kind of the purplish which kind of turned it into like if somebody's been in the like way in the sun too long they've got like second degree or third degree burns on them right uh-huh um but not the black the like purplish color ones yeah and so i don't want to go with green i want to go or blue i want to go with um i'm not sure yet i i just want to build it up i like what it looks like now but it's not as vampire-y and i want it to look a mm -hmm. little more vampire-y so i'm gonna slowly like i'm gonna slowly lighten it and lighten it and lighten it until hopefully it look and feels right to me mm -hmm. sure lighten yeah, it good. into a white into a kind of that pallid witch flesh which is like an off kind of a grayish stonish white mm-hmm mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you this. Um, I have done some kind of uh, vampiric skin before, and all the tips and tricks that I learned was from Vince Venturella's hobby cheating videos because mm -hmm. he's got some really good tips on how to like make it look like the blood's been drained out of it, yeah. right? Because they're undead yeah. without looking like they're dead zombies rotting yeah. flesh, right? And um, which a quick shout out, Vince Venturella hit 400 hobby cheating videos this last weekend. Which is inc yeah. absolutely incredible. Like 400 videos on just how to paint miniatures. Yeah. You he's he's going to be on our show. Uh, is it next week? Next week. He's going to be next on our week show. We're going to have him on our show. So, yep. He's going to talk, talk a little bit about his uh, Majestic uh, 13 game that they just came out with. And um, we're, you know, obviously going to talk with Vince Venturella. So that's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right on. All right, Dan, what's on your hobby table? You got to badger Vince about which Warcry warbands translate the best to uh, <laughs> to his new game. Um, That's right, exactly. Yeah, because uh, yeah, so, he's a miniature agnostic game, right? Yeah, I or at least so, the yeah. last two were. Yeah, the mm -hmm. last two were right. Um, All right, we'll see. So yeah, I've been painting Jade Obelisk. Uh, 
doing them sort of a little bit more rangery. I think the main color scheme is like basically all gray, but let's see. Yeah, basically all gray, but with a tiny yeah. little bit of jade. And I've got it where um, pretty much all of the metallics that are here are jade. And then because uh, all these ones in the center are in the center are all like they're shaped like stone so you can paint them yeah. as metal or as stone yeah totally uh, fine and so um i did all those as jade and i'm doing um sort of like a almost brass is orange color but like a almost like coppery uh just to to be the opposite uh you know to contrast with the jade um, a little bit better. I've got this kind of burnt orange metal for the uh, little spikes that are just randomly on their cloak, but they're like metal studs on their cloaks. Um, and I like how they're turning out. I'll uh, definitely show them uh, next time. I couldn't believe I didn't have any of them with me, but um, I did a uh, little bit of converting to get a second obelisk bearer. I took a bunch of old Seraphon bits I had and uh, like bits of their banners and stuff um, to to sort of create a little monument backpack mm -hmm. for, one of, for one of my people so that I could get a second obelisk bearer um, so that I don't have to go out and buy a a whole nother sort of package of uh, yeah. of these guys because you know I really wanted to play them with a bunch of the move three guys um, so I just used two of the little move fours and just kind of rearranged them, and it worked pretty well. Uh, the other nice. thing I've got going, which I did bring down, uh, which is unfortunately snapped in half, is um, this little Nurgle Varengard I'm trying to build. Uh, so I've got um, this little broken horn, but uh, it's like riding a moose. Here's that Varengard, who's the actual person who's mostly unpainted but they're like riding a half horse half moose situation yeah uh, yeah yeah but um man resin mo i mostly buy like legitimately um off of like gw plastic for most sure, of my sure. miniatures and this is legitimate it's just a it's a resin 3d printed model and uh, -huh. uh sometimes i forget about how much more um flimsy certain resin things totally um you know yeah, they especially can snap really easily yeah because my first resin experience was with creature caster and they're kind of boutique resin you know they're mm -hmm. like very bougie resin and so th they never really gave me those problems uh but as i've sort of explored more and more the world of 3d printing on etsy i still love a lot of the sculpts i've gotten i um play my i don't have it here but i have i play my um a, my gray seer in my skaven warband is a yeah. 3d print i really love some of them but um yeah some of them can uh, shatter quite a bit yeah some of those um some of those really kind of hard to find models um i like the 3d print you know just because like either they're sold out on on gw site or you need kind of like a sergeant from a box and you just need that one and mm -hmm. it's like 50 models and you know i'm like what am i going to do with 50 models yeah, you know man. and so you know like sometimes the 3d but you're absolutely right like if you have your own 3d printer you have to make sure that the the resin that you get 
is somewhat flexible as well because mm -hmm. otherwise it gets very very brittle and like yep. the slightest touch and those things can just snap and they're they're really hard to glue back in my opinion mm -hmm. um unlike the gw plastic where you can like plastic glue it like it doesn't yep. it the resin doesn't do that same mm -hmm. thing so it's because the glue yeah. doesn't melt the plastic to right. form a chemical bond yeah i had a a, a good tip once this is a uh, let's see if I can do it without the camera. There you go. This is a 3D <laughs> mini that I printed from Lord of the Print, which uh, actually, no, this is Archvillain Games, I think. I don't remember which one, but amazing model. I mean, look at this guy, right? Yeah. Really yeah. cool. So a good tip that somebody gave me once was you take these kind of really hard resins and then you take you you get a a nice bottle of expensive, extremely flexible resin and you miss you 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 mix like 20% of the really expensive one into the normal costing one. So okay. then, then you can see like this guy, like see these little, like, like feather things on this guy's helmet. Yeah. Like I can bend them like this and they don't snap. Oh, nice. mm -hmm. like totally bend them and they just bounce yeah. right back. So nice. So sorry for the camera thing, but yeah, but that's, that's because you have, you know, you have to be able to do that kind of mixture. And I wasn't doing that mixture and it's still not perfect. Like I just broke one off. But, uh, <laughs> but it's fine. This is this is actually a failed print. I keep at my desk just because it's cool looking. Oh, just cool. to um, remind him that sometimes he too does fail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his back is broken. You see little pieces of his back. Oh, sure. Kind yeah. of failed the layer slip, right? But uh, but I've had really good success doing that for like um, for little prints. But when I didn't do that, like if I bent that, like just a slight touch, and that thing would have just you know popped right off. Yeah. So, there, but it's it's one of those things like three D printing is really cool, um, but it's uh, you you have to be willing to enjoy the hobby aspect of three D printing. You know, which is making mm -hmm. sure that your printer's up to speed, your vats oh, clean, yeah. you're doing all. It, it's work, right? It's a second hobby on top of the hobby. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. For sure um cool cool well um i finished my bone splitters finally i need to put them under the camera to get them up i know i'm so happy to have them done it's one of those things where like you i got five of them painted up really well for adepticon and then i got back from adepticon and i looked at 15 that needed to be done <laughs> and as you know you just like didn't have that motivation to like do it because the event was already over you know and do I really need the other 15? But I, I realized that if I didn't paint those 15, then they just would never get done. So I um, wanted to get them done. And and so I'm happy to do that. Um, I realized that I've got a kill team backlog that is equally as big as my, um, as big as my, uh, well, my Warcry backlog is a little bit bigger, but my kill team backlog might be a little bit older. So um, I started painting the um, veteran guardsmen, which are the Death Corps of Krieg. And um, I'm going to admit, I I painted one miniature. There's 13 of them. I painted one miniature in just like an hour or two, like fully painted, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing that I think a lot of these 40K miniatures, aside, like Chaos Marines aside with all of their trim, but I think 40K miniatures are actually less complicated design than a lot of the fantasy miniatures. There's less stuff on there to paint. Like mm -hmm. once I kind of was able to airbrush their cloaks, and get that color happy. Um, it was just picking out a couple of leather parts, a couple of black parts, and a couple of other parts. And I'm like, this miniature is pretty much done. And I was mm. really surprised by that. Like, um, 
and and I remember thinking about that with the um, 40k orcs that I had, which is like the orcs, like the the 40k orcs that I was painting were less complicated than the iron jaws that I had to paint. Were these the like, snagas or old orcs? Uh, no, these were the um, uh, commandos, the kill team commandos. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Those had, look they, really complicated. So it is this, that's the thing is I feel like the 40k ones are deceptively complex, but they're not because they got a lot of things that usually will take, you know, there's like a lot of leather on them. And you're if you paint the leather all kind of one color, then you get a lot of the model done yeah. in one pass type of thing, you know. Cruel boys um, are like that too. Yep. Yeah. Everything totally. in cruel boys you can you can actually paint in just a couple minutes, even though they, they look really complicated. Exactly. And so um it's really interesting because I, I think that uh, some of the AOS and, and even Warcry miniatures are maybe overly designed a little bit. They're, they've got too many little like jingles and bingles and things hanging from belts and helmets. And you know what I mean? That all need a different color thing to stand out. And um, it just sometimes it gets a little much. But um, uh, so anyway, I'm hoping to get those done much faster and then probably turn to my horns of Heshut which I think should also go pretty quick because I got my scheme ready for them too. So anyway, good times nice. there. So hobby tables, all, all good times. But of course that's sort of taken a backseat, Jason, to uh, when Diablo four is calling to us mm -hmm. from, yep. uh, from the other room. It's like, yeah, come play with me. Like, okay. We can play <laughs> with digitally pre-painted minis. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. Cool. All right. So, um, as far as our Warcry news comes, there is no news right now. Uh, we're kind of in a little bit of a dead zone. Uh, there's rumors of a uh, White Dwarf coming out with uh, Soulblight Grave Lord campaign rules, but we can talk about those when it ends up coming out. So we're moving on. We're moving on to the Knight's Questor. So I'm going to share my screen here. Um, well, I said Knight's Questor. It's this uh, the Questor Soulsworn that is part of the Nightmare... Um, Oh my gosh, I'm blinking it. The Nightmare uh, Nightmare quest. quest. Nightmare Quest box. Yeah. Yep. This one. So, yep. Although this um, says Might and Madness, but yep. <laughs> Nightmare yeah. Quest box. Okay. So, I do have to get a little bit of a shout out. Dan um, gave us a point to War Crier. That's W A R C R I E R dot com. Um, it is a great website. It's got all of the factions on there. It's got their cards. It's got their um, rules, reactions, everything. So if you are, you know, <clears throat> finding a moment maybe while you're at work or something where you need to look something up, um, this is a great place if you don't have your book with you to check out some of the different rules or compare stuff. It's even got a little bit of a you can you can put together a warband and mess around with some different things, and so. Um, yeah, very cool website. Um, we, we, the, the internet name of the, of the person who made this is, um, uh, Servitor Scribe or Servo Scribe, right? Mm -hmm. Servo Scribe, which I, like I was saying earlier, I think it's a call out to uh, 40k and the Servo Scribes that they have in there. But, um, yeah, very cool site. And, uh, for me, my box should be here tomorrow with the, Quest or Soulsworn or the Nightmare Quest stuff. Um, but so since I don't have it, we can still talk about it today because we're talking about our uh, newest Stormcast Eternal Warband. 
So, where do you guys want to start? Do you want to start with the heroes or start with the reactions? What do you? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, let's talk about the reaction first, and then we'll yeah. just go through. Let's go yeah. through the actual fighters and not the abilities, since the abilities. Um, maybe we can talk about the first ability, but then let's talk about fighters, since all the other yeah, abilities totally. are. Yeah. Um, the reaction's cool, right? I mean, it's yeah. a very slightly better version of the regular reaction. Um, I guess you can sometimes get a move out of it, so it's more flexible. When you're attacking with it, it's only a little bit better because you know d6 can be a lot of damage. And but so we're talking about the regular reaction. Yeah, the um, what is it? Swift, ret Swift retribution. Thunderous yeah. departure. So oh, I'm that's... saying Swift Retribution is a little better than Thunderous Departure. Oh, oh Swift okay, Retribution okay, okay. is, I think, amazing. Anytime your fighter you gets taken so? down, you can pick another one to have a bonus move or attack. But yeah, your I fighters cost good. 165, right? Like, I think of it yeah. as I'll just never get to use it. But, um, but I like having it over Thunderous Departure, for sure. I'm mm -hmm. trying to understand. I think I'm missing something because... No, let me pull up Thunderous Departure just so that you can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like... Thunderous Departure. Because it's kind of the same theme. It's when your fighter's yeah. taken down. So, yeah. Thunderous Departure is... A fighter can make this reaction when they are targeted by a melee attack action after the damage is total, but before it is allocated to the fighter, if it isn't enough for the fighter to be taken down. Right? So that's the almost the exact same wording as the Quester Soul Sworn yeah. reaction, right? So, like, if it's enough damage to kill it, then you can trigger the reaction, Right? Obviously, you have to ha still have um, activations to be able to use the reaction. Um, but uh, allocate, so the Thunderous Departure is allocate D6 damage points to their attacker. Fighters with the Beast Room Mark or both the Scout and Fly cannot make this reaction. So, I, I mean, I think any time you have multiple models engaged mm -hmm. and you're not, that additional D6 won't take down the fighter that's going to, that killed this one. Mm -hmm. You do the bonus attack one, so that one of your other guys is engaged gets a free attack before he even activates, maybe, or even after after he's activated. Yeah, it's nice. I just don't think I don't think you'll get to use it much. I guess is what I, I mean. Yeah, because it's hard to take these guys down, right? Mm -hmm. So, and there's going to be I mean, so few of them. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, so I hear you what might you're use saying. it. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. Um. There's maybe some other ideas for them that I'll get to later, where I think you'd get to maybe use it a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'd be curious I, to I watch play because I I think it's yeah. gonna I think it's gonna come into play a lot because I you can take you can bring Stormcast down. I mean you know I've, I, it they are tough but like you can do it so it's gonna happen. Um, I see what you're saying, but. I think that there's going to be situations where you have, you know, you have big baddie guys that take down a storm cast that a D6 isn't going to hurt. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to happen regularly. I think on the, the thing that happens, though, is the storm casts have already gone usually by the time the big baddies are killing them. M maybe. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 So I think there's two things that are going for this though that um, are, are a little bit better, right? Um, than the thunderous departure. Um, one, uh, the the point costs of a lot of your models in this one are like 160 range, whereas I think in um, 
uh, the Thunderstrike, like you've got some beefy ones, right, that are a little bit more expensive, especially like your um, your uh, mm-hmm. Annihilators. They're a little bit well, more The Annihilators are right? cheaper, but they do more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the other thing is, is that there's no minimum range or there's no range on this, right? So like you're talking about being able that's to make true. a reaction yeah. all the way I across the board. I think that's the, the key. And um, this is for, you know, a, a war band that typically has issues with movement, you know, because Stormcast Eternals are a little bit slower. Um, and so being able to give some a bonus move or, you know, if they're stuck in to, to, to use the orc terms, if they're stuck in, then they, um, you know, they get a fight. So uh, I, I take your point, though, that one. They're harder to take down than, say, a Plains Runner, right? <laughs> From or an Untamed Beast, right? They're harder to take down. Um, two, uh, there's not that many of them. And um, three, like the stars sort of have to align for this to happen, right? They your your model can still needs to have activations to be able to do it, and you. Um, yeah, you 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 need you know you need something to die. So, you know, usually yeah. with Stormcaster, trying not to let them die because you have fewer models on the board mm-hmm. anyway. So, I mean, I still think you're going to try not to let them die. Um, I, yeah, totally. I'd rather activate my Stormcast than just use the reaction. But, <laughs> um, right. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, it is a nice consolation. The one place I do think, and this might just copy paste to almost all their abilities. The place where i think these are going to be amazing is if you ally them into a warband that does have one really big heavy hitter and then also has a lot of cheap guys in it um if you now if your one stormcast ally dies uh you can shoot that heavy hitter forward or get an extra attack with the really heavy mm-hmm. hitter and then like you can even do this to a charybdis right i mean I know they're yeah. much more expensive now, but you could. And um, you also get to potentially, depending on what your, um, you know, what faction you're in, you might actually have actual numbers now, right? Like if you ally mm-hmm. one of these into um, one of the dwarf factions or, you know, maybe one of the elf factions where you can get some really cheap fighters in there. Um, that could be pretty cool. I, I will say that as someone who doesn't use reactions a lot, um, this appeals to me because I know exactly when and where to use this reaction. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. And I don't use counter um, probably nearly as much as I should, um, you know, but uh, like, so this kind of reaction is like, okay, I got this. Like I can, I can handle this. My, yeah. my, my smooth brain can handle this one. You know? <laughs> I, yeah. I think this is a reaction that's going to come into, we're going to see it come into play more at round three plus. Sure. When, when you have, uh, you know, you have tactical decisions and people are actually going down uh, on the battlefield, but question for you. So, because of the guys' rune marks on their card, isn't this one in the standard reaction the only reactions available to these guys? Because they don't have the the rune mark for thunderous. Uh, That's true. No, they do yeah. not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they I was have just to comparing do this one them because the they're the same. Uh, same oh, wording. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. But I think this is going to be. I think we would see this in round three plus because in round one they're not going to go down, and round two. 
they would really only go down if somebody focus fired on one of them with a heavy hitter and they spend a lot of stuff to get that heavy hitter to them in round in round two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think you're gonna wanna you're gonna be waiting out your Stormcast opponent before you kill whichever thing you're planning on killing. Um but then if things go well That's for fair. them, they kill a bunch of your cheap guys and now you have the same number of fighters anyway. So yeah, maybe. Fair enough. I, I think your points are valid. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens with it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's going to it's gonna be like we're at Nova Open and there's going to be a top table. Someone's running this thing and that'll be like the move that wins it, right? Or something. Mm-hmm, and maybe. then we'll just come back on the podcast and be like, well, we were all wrong or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, all right. Yeah, let's pull up the fighters here. So, what, Dan, what is the unique thing about this warband? Oh my God, they're incredible. They're the Order Palooza. Um, yes, every single fighter in this warband is a hero. Yep. Uh, when you play Quester Soul Sworn, you get a um, you get an exception from the hero rules, which is nice to make this actually work. But the mm-hmm. cool thing is, every single one of these can go into any Order warband as an ally, um, which is amazing. Now it, it is weird because they all cost about the same uh i would have loved for them to kind of vary that up a bit but it's still cool because you can pick whichever one you like the the ability for and you can bring that into whatever warband you want um which is really amazing and so like the universal abilities you know you can just pick whichever profile you like and for example all of these guys have thundering strides which mm-hmm. is pick another friendly fighter within six inches of this fighter. That fighter makes a bonus move action. So amazing. That's, that's wild. So, so you amazing. Can, you can put this in, mm-hmm. um, like you can move Kurnoth Hunters with this. You can move uh, Doc Snakes with this. You can, mm-hmm. Order doesn't have the like really insane combos with this that Chaos and Destruction have, but there's still stuff that's really good um that that you can do with this which is yeah just really makes me happy um i've definitely done a lot of thinking about sylvaneth and you know and what they would look like with just one of these in there and it's really cool yeah well i think i think your points were really good one too which is like with uh daughters of cain um you know unfortunately the the um blood sisters and um you know some of the some of the uh medusa they they were hit hard with the movement tax that showed up in 2.0 and they don't really have the um they they really took a hit from 1.0 into 2.0 but if you counter makes them unplayable too this doesn't make them good but it is good with them (laughs) well i was gonna say it it makes them i think it makes it can make them significantly better because all of a sudden um you can give them a bonus move and they can attack twice instead of Mm -hmm. having to move and attack once and all of a sudden that that gives them a little bit more hitting power than they had before uh because of the bonus move Mm -hmm. so and only a double look the um warrior chamber i used i used that double a lot which is like if one of your guys is injured within six inches you know they get a free double well there's no, they don't have to be injured on this one which is that's amazing and i you know i was using that with the paladins to really get them to where they needed to be 
Um, but with this one, it's just pick another friendly fighter within six inches. And I think that's great, especially since, uh, you know, you'll, you're going to start them all in the battle groups anyway. Let's get them moving right in round one. And how easy is it to get doubles in round one? You know, mm-hmm. so, so yep. good. So good. Yeah, very good. Um, all right. So let's uh, talk about some of these, uh, some of these fighters. Um you made a point, Dan, um, the other day in our Discord that errant Quester actually kind of means something else, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> I <laughs> was just saying <laughs> it's yeah. All of these um, errant Questers, we these this uh, warband leaked a while ago. Just the profiles, yeah. not or not just the uh, the titles and the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, but what leaked was a, a Spanish translation book that got sent to someone in Spain yeah. who ordered uh, ordered this warband, and so um, or ordered something else and was sent this anyway embarrassing stuff for gw so they posted all the names and Embar- they were by all the way, like embarrassing well embarrassing. fair enough you know <laughs> um oh you're right because it was the same time when they did that big big uh preview for every system except for Warcry, yeah. and then there just yeah. happened to be massive Warcry leaks <laughs> the same like, day as all weird. the real like, previews for yeah that's how did how did we fair. accidentally ship something that's not in production you know? yeah yeah <laughs> fair enough um yeah so they're all just hidalgos in spanish which is amazing that's such a better name than errant quester so i would love to see that changed um Hidalgo. but let's talk about it. the actual guys you wanted to start yeah. with the quester prime yeah let's do it yeah um yeah so for 170 um, I think he's, I think he's okay. Um, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, like yeah. he's, um, not one of the ones I'm excited about and I'm excited no, about a lot of these. Yeah. And, and usually for the run that price point, like 170, 185, I'm comparing him to the savage big boss, right. That's got, um, I think, uh, he's only got one inch range, but he's got about the same amount of attacks, but strength, strength five and three, six damage. Right. Um, this guy's got four attacks, strength four, two, four damage, range two. I mean, the range two helps, but um, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I'm in love with that profile. I've seen too many mid-tier fighters like that that have just haven't performed on the board for me. Well, the, the four, four, two, four profile, you know, we've all, we can all roll four, four, two, fours in our sleep. Um, yeah. And they're so amazing when they cost less than 130. Yeah. Uh, but. I'm not super interested in them at uh, at higher than that. Uh, if this guy's ability was really amazing, I'd be perfectly happy with the four four two four profile. Like uh, if you've ever played the non Quester Soul Sworn Knight Relictor, he's got a four four two four, but he's got a really cool ability. Um, it's not quite good enough to play in competitive play, but it's really cool and it's a ton of fun in casual play. Uh, you know. This is the headline of this uh, show. Um, so I, I can like them, but yeah, I don't like this one. And I don't think the ability is good enough to uh, justify it. Um, yeah, his, his ability lets you d- do three damage points to all visible enemy fighters within three inches of this fighter. Okay. I mean, three inches is not a big ways. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I'm happy yeah. with it if I'm getting nine damage out of it. And yeah. man, that's hard to set up. And, and that's a triple too. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't be using that too much. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, I think you're getting, you're getting nine damage on the expense of a triple with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's if you set up like a beautiful mind and you've, you know, <laughs> crafted a board state in which you can actually pull it off. Um, cause you know, your opponent, if you're being straightforward with them, they know you can do this too. Right. So they have a lot of incentive to, uh, to not let yeah. you, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Definitely. All right. So we have the quester prime and pretty much all of the rest of them are, um, errant questers with the exception of the, um, uh, Lord Relictor or soul sworn knight relictor. So, mm -hmm. um, let's talk about, so they, they just have kind of different, um, profiles, right? One's a Grand Blade, one's a Grand Spear, one's a Grand Axe, and then one has uh, Twin Blades and a Grand Hammer. So you've got mm -hmm. like all of the Grand <laughs> weapons, right? Grand yep. Grand Blade, Grand Axe, Grand Hammer, Grand uh, Grand Spear, right? So, um, so basically, they're they range from one sixty five to one seventy, and um their profiles i mean are kind of what you expect right in terms of like they play with the ranges a little bit they'll play with the number of attacks a little bit they'll play with the strength a little bit um the damage is all pretty much the same the grand blade is two four damage the grand spear grand axe is two five and the grand hammer is three four for the grand one so they're all within that range right there um what what makes you like these guys um, with their profiles, Dan? All right. So first, I don't like the Grand Axe. Um, so okay. we'll get that one out of the way. But the other ones are pretty sweet. So the, the Grand Hammer um, combos with attack buff boosts really well. You know, anytime okay. you're getting strength six. Yeah. Um, the, you know, if if you don't like to math out, your stats uh the biggest sort of booster um in terms of sort of more damage than what you expect you're getting out of the profile is just that regular damage hit so the three there on the yeah. grand hammer um that is going to add more damage than you think it will um but What's so cool about these guys, and the reason I like the one-inch range ones and the three-inch, but not necessarily the two, is mm -hmm. they get Force of a Thunderbolt, which is a fighter can only use this ability mm -hmm. after they finish a move action within one inch of two or more enemy fighters. This fighter makes a bonus attack action. So good. Yeah. I think that's so amazing. Um, it's like a mini rampage, man. Sort of, you know? yeah, for just a double, right? And anytime you're yeah. getting a free action for a double that um that is very consistent in terms of like when it can go off then you're in a great situation and with these guys especially allying them into another warband it's amazing because you can either give a free move action to a buddy or mm -hmm. give a free attack action to yourself so it's just like anytime you're not interested in one of those things you're probably interested in the other mm -hmm. um, which I, I really love that yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going to need two more enemy fighters, but I think in 2-0, especially with, like, the Rumble Pack, you're seeing, you know, that Horde armies are still a thing. And mm -hmm. especially if you get near a an objective, right, finishing within two inches or within one inch of two fighters isn't a super hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You may you may struggle with this one though, like if you're going up against another elite army. Right. Well, but then aren't you just perfectly happy using the uh thundering strides a bit? I mean, that's what I love mm -hmm. about it is you're sure. either striding or your uh force of a thunderbolting and they just they don't compete for each other at with each other at all. Yeah. Like you're just so happy to use one or the other. Um yeah, yeah, totally. And and uh, I want to go back to one of your points that you made, which is like that base damage extra point. It really does add up, especially especially when you pair that with a strength six attack, because, mm -hmm. you know, like when you're going up against there's a lot of there's a lot of toughness four, there's a ton of toughness three. There's, uh, you know, there's a good amount of toughness five, but there's very few toughness six models out there. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, you know, a strength six attack where you're hitting on threes, those threes add up really quick, really quick. Yeah. So, yeah, very, yeah, very much so. Um, so you don't like the, um, you don't like the grand axe. Um, and is that because of his, is that because his ability? Well, he has a force of the thunderbolt as well. I think it's because of the two five. You could drop, even though you get the two inches, you drop the two sure. with three attacks. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does have strength five on him though, which helps. Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to trade him between him and a grand hammer, I agree. Lose the one inch range to be hitting on threes and do one more point of damage on your base. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. For yeah, the and you same get, point yeah. cost. Right, because you'd rather have that three there than the five in the crit. And you still um, have access to the same strength. ability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so much nicer. And then, you know, if you want that extra range, if that's what you're excited about, then just take the spear, right? Then you get the exact right. same. It's only five exact points more. Yeah, you don't get the one inch range thing, but you're not using it anyway. And if you use it, if you use it on the Grand Axe, you're not getting the the benefit of that two inch reach, right? So, yeah, because yeah. Um, I, yeah, I he's like... kind of he's, he's kind of mediocre between both of them, right? Because you have. Yeah. Two different two different profiles there. Yeah. Absolutely, and in, in in Warcry, you usually find the efficiency on the edges as far as, instead of in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that spear is cool. I mean, I don't need to tell you like Justin is the Lord of Protectors, but <laughs> anytime you put like a a pretty respectable three inch, uh, mm -hmm. like like just on an objective so that there's no way to contest the objective without being in range. It's, it's just really nice. I'm telling you, um, allying him into a warrior chamber with some other protectors, like that is a scary mm. list right there, you know, mm. cause he can yep. get those protectors moving and um, you know, he's got abilities himself that he can kind of go respond to threats that he needs to. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, that'd be, that'd be, he would be better one because I can't remember. Um, I can't remember right offhand, and I don't want to look it up right now, but I can't remember right offhand how much the Protector Prime is. I think he's more than 170. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, but that's okay. I'll look it up. I'll look it up in a minute. I think it is um, a little, I think it might be 180. Um, yeah. But it's still a really good pairing. I would absolutely mm -hmm. put those two in a deployment group. It seems that seems pretty good. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the Knight Relictor here? Okay, so the Soul Sworn Knight. So I, I will. Um, I'm going to tell you this. I ran the Lord Relictor um, in my Protectors list because I loved his um, ability to, uh, you know, on a it was on a triple. You got to roll uh, the value of the dice, 
And on a three up, it did one point of damage. I, I finished off so many models with that little ability, you know, like there'd be like three wounds on it. Boom, yep. dead, boom, dead. Right. Cause it was pretty reliable um, to get, to get uh, some of those damage points, especially if you got a six and you know, you use your wild dice to um, make it a triple, then you're rolling sixes. So it was really good. Um, Unfortunately, this guy shares nothing with that fighter except the name and uh, the skull motif. And the skull motif. He's holding a lantern, too, instead of a... Um, I can't remember what the other one's holding. Yeah. My Night Relictor uh, is also holding a skull lantern. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have two um, things about this. Mm-hmm. The first one is, I I feel like just an art thing. Don't most ranges, aren't they on the top on most cards? Yes, they are. For some reason, this one's on the bottom. It's just weird. Yeah, totally. Just a little weird. Like, that's all. Oh, the, in the my ranch... book, it's on the top. I think they no. just, I think they accident or wherever they grabbed this one from, they flipped it. But in my book, it's on the top. Okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But the other thing is, and uh, you know, very situational. But this guy, this guy produced has an ability that gives you a possibility of an alpha strike and war cry that I don't think really necessarily occurred before this where, mm-hmm. you know, his quad, it's a quad, uh-huh. but I mean, I've played many games where a quad has popped on round one. If you have him allied in somewhere where there's a, uh, I don't know, what's the big guy that that's a, this crazy stormcast guy is like six, uh, like an Annihilator Prime. Yeah, an Annihilator yep. Prime, right? And you pump, you you get that quad and you pump that Annihilator Prime towards your opponent, one of your opponent's main pieces after he's moved in round one. Yeah. And that Annihilator Prime could take could take him out and round on no matter where he goes on the board. Because you move him four inches yep. away and then the Annihilator Prime drops, moves three inches and whack, whack with his two inch reach or whack with his two inch reach or maybe even something else yeah. with another, with a double. Oh yeah, because... Because this one says more than four inches away, but you could do it with a decimator prime yeah. or the two-inch reach like annihilator prime. Yeah, yeah the two-inch yeah. reach. Which the two-inch mm-hmm. reach is four attacks, six toughness, three five. Yeah, 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 it's really scary. So it's like mm-hmm. it's it's an opportunity to one, getting Stormcrest, which take a while to get in play. You've got them deep into the into the belly of your opponent, and he's going to be smashing hard something on your opponent's warband in round one. Mm-hmm. So now that's a quad, and that's you know, I I go plenty of games rolling doubles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but well, I'm just saying, yeah. I think this provides. I think this is maybe one of the, maybe not the first, but to me, it's it's uh, an opportunity for an alpha strike and war cry, which I think has not been a thing. Yeah. I, w- I will say this too. I've rolled triples in round one and chosen not die. to make them quote chosen not to make them quads. Yeah. Because I didn't really have an opportunity to use rampage because I'm too far away. You know yeah. what I mean? Or whatever. So I think that that happens quite often. Like you see the general, the general rule and I'm putting air quotations up here is you bank your wild dice round one, unless you really have a need for it. You know, mm-hmm. and so, um, but if you had this, you could you could be using it. And so, I. But you know, with that said, and Dan, I think you've said this on the show before. Um, don't bank on the quads, right? Don't make your plan around quads because you're going to find yourself disappointed more often than not. So yeah, and and um, I think that you know, my point is not, oh my gosh, get this guy going and go for the quad combo. 
My point is just that I think that this has introduced the ability to alpha strike in Warcry, which I don't think happened mm-hmm. before this. It's just the new gameplay mode, yeah. basically, is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 The, mm-hmm. there, I don't think, because in AOS, right, mm-hmm. you can lose the game if you set up wrong, right? In Warcry, you can lose the game if you set up wrong as well. But in AOS, you can lose the game if you set up wrong because you can get alpha striked. They can actually yep. come in and, and wipe a, a, units off the board. In Warcry, you, you couldn't really do that in turn one all the time, right? In this case, in this case, no matter what you do, he can drop an opponent that will be able to hit you no matter where you go on the board with this ability in round one. Yeah. I play I've played a lot of ten inch move fighters, so I do like That's think true. of myself as being willing to alpha strike things in round one if if I get a rampage. Um but but this guy lets you spend potentially just fewer points doing it, right? Because you can also, yeah. you can pop this, move four, shoot with your eight-inch range, and then teleport the thing in. And so now they've taken some five. I mean, you're pretty likely to miss. You only get two days there. <laughs> right. but, but, but if things go well, right? I mean, this is the this is the show about casual fun war cry later, right? So, like, if things yeah. go well, which is half the name of the game and, like, really weird janky lists, uh, this is, like, a perfect addition for that. Um, yeah, and, and it's yeah. not as his only ability, right? He also has mm-hmm. the move someone six inches that's yep. or move someone, yeah. bonus move that's within six inches of you and yeah. uh, the other one that they all have and the reaction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think this is. I don't think I would play this guy in like a tournament, like a competitive tournament list. But I think this guy's really cool, and just yeah, in general, I'm with you. I think yeah. it would be kind of a fun threat versus yeah, yeah. a planning to win a tourney tournament yeah, with that yeah. threat. His, or, um, or maybe you play it yeah. planning to meme a tournament. You know, like there's a right, lot of people right. who don't mind going two and two in a tournament, and. uh you know, this guy, for as much as it makes it really hard to go four and zero with him, it's probably really hard to go zero and four with him too. Because like, if everything, if the stars align, you do something really powerful. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know his um, and I know it's not exactly the same or anything like that, but his stat lines remind me of like a necromancer in death, which is like it's okay, but you don't really aren't planning on him being the heavy hitter you're planning on like a neck using the necromancer as a support piece right moving that necromancer around doing the dance macabre if you can get it with all those skeletons around you you know um given bonuses resin models all that kind of stuff um i i see kind of the role of the soul sworn knight relictor is sort of the same he's not there to like get into combat he's probably there to cap objectives and move pieces around the board um and is it like a support piece so yeah um yeah i do think that there might be some interesting like um some interesting ally combos like if you can if you can find some decent ones like he might be an interesting ally i think i would go with other ones first you know what i mean um but i don't know maybe like again you might find some fun combos that you really like with this guy um I don't think he's horrible. I think he's interesting. I don't think he's amazing. Like that's kind yeah. of my take on it. So, yeah, yeah. I'd go with the Grand X before I went with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 
the only one that we really haven't talked about is the knight or Aaron Quester duelist with the twin blades. And you know, he's got five attacks for strength, four, two, three damage, which is nothing to write home about for, especially for a model that's 160. but he has an interesting ability here. And Dan, I'm kind of curious about your take on this. He has to face me cowards, um, which is that enemy fighters that begin their activation within three inches of this fighter cannot make disengage actions or end move actions further from this fighter. So it's a net ability without having to roll a dice, essentially. It's so cool. I think this is like the last fighter I'd want that on, but it's so <laughs> <Right>? cool. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, they they just keep giving us new design space every time they release one of these warbands, and I think it's mm -hmm. really cool. Um, I can't wait to see this on either a guy with a shield or a guy who's really cheap or, you know, something else. Um, and because I want that, we probably won't ever see it. But yeah. but this guy's cool. I mean, um, you know, Jason, you just talked about alpha striking and how this list can do that when you never saw it before. This lets you alpha block. Right, because you can um, you double move, so you're mm -hmm. not going to get any attacks in, but you double move to another deployment group, you pop this ability, and now they can't leave their deployment group. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, all the models within three inches, all the models, none mm -hmm. of them can leave the space. That's incredible because now, if you're in an objective mission, uh you know, all their numbers count for nothing because they can't get onto the objectives. Yeah. I think that's so cool. I think yep, it's an cool. interesting it's an interesting um, group of Stormcast that we could see some funny play come out of. Yeah, as a as a team, I don't think they're going to be very good. But um, I no, think each of yeah. them individually, as part of other teams, is going to be is pretty sweet. Totally, they're allies that are going to show up all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is funny because normally, like, the sum of the parts is, like, what makes it happen, right? But this is, like, mm -hmm. the parts The parts are greater than the sum, I guess, you know? And so um, it, it, it's kind of funny. And I think really what it comes down to is that there's no one one or two guys that are really the standouts and that, that you can end up um, backfilling with some cheap chaff, right? They're all mm -hmm. 160 pretty yeah. much. And so you're just kind of living in that mid-tier fighter range um, with these guys. and um, But again, individually, you put them with some smaller chaff or some bigger hitters, all mm -hmm. of a sudden, like, that's starting to move and shake some things. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, have to, you have to either ally them in or take them all as a team because right. Right. the remark thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about some factions like... Uh, like Eidneth Deepkin is really bad right now because thralls are so bad. But if thralls ever get, you know, the buff they deserve, um, all of a sudden, like having one of these in there to like shoot some eels around and then having thralls yeah. running around in support, uh, that all of a sudden seems really, really sweet. So um, <laughs> that does seem scary. I didn't even yeah. think about Eidneth Deepkin, but sending eels flying around all over the place. Eels and Achillean Kings, right? And you're giving them yeah. bonus actions with these guys. I mean, that just oh, seems gosh. so cool. So um, yeah. I definitely, I mean, as you can tell by the fact that I have the book, I, I picked some up and I, I haven't uh, painted them yet, but I'm excited to. Yeah, there's there's some great combos that are waiting to be to be had here. So um, we can't wait to see what everybody does and some of the lists that come out of there. So 
Um, if you've uh, if you're experimenting with them, we'd love to hear about them. Drop us in the Discord. Let us know like what you guys are using because uh, I'm I like Dan. You dropped a, a Sylvanus list the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, that looks so scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, I think that there's others, so can't wait to see what everybody's doing for yeah. sure. All right, um, very good. Uh, lots of lots of great stuff there. So let's talk about um, having fun in Warcry. So Jason, um, maybe you can start sort of kick us off here. What uh, what sort of prompted this discussion today? We had um, a couple guys from our Discord come over last Friday to my house in my basement, and nice. uh, we decided to play a four player battle royale in Warcry. And it was funny too because they were coming over for kill team, and then we were joking. We were like, "Yeah, bring some Warcry stuff too." They're like, "Yeah, maybe let's do like a uh, you know a Thunderdome Warcry." thing and we were joking Mm. and then and then i think i said uh someone said i said yeah how about everything has to be greater than 200 points that you bring and they're (laughs) like okay okay and then another person's like okay only four models in the war brand so everybody brought a list of only four models of greater than 200 points each and we had four player warcry game with that uh on On a a single board on a single we didn't play the double board a single board um yeah so yeah, in fact, it was in a our lot war- of fun. In our discard, how does he say his gamer tag? Dial Maiden. I've never asked yeah, him how Dial to say his gamer yeah. tag. Dial it's Javi. Just call him Javi. Yeah, Javi. Uh, so he he's the guy that helped us kind of figure figure the story out. And then we all got together and we played it. Um, and uh, it was a lot of fun. What we did was we put um, we took a normal Warcry board. Actually, I can show you a picture here. Let me share my screen. Um, but. Um, we took a normal Warcry board. We put a big piece of terrain in each quadrant. Um, and then, uh, let's see, window, share, window, share. This is something we put together that, you know, this is a teaser. We're going to put out a pack for our Patreons. This is just one of them that's going to be in the pack that this kind of Battle Royale. So I think we're going to put out like a Battle Royale pack with a couple different uh, scenarios. Um, but you can see here, right, that this was our board. And we had right. a fountain in the middle. Mm-hmm. Just a little fountain. And that fountain, what we did was we called it Fountain of Power. Um, every the, the victory conditions were that you get, for every model you have touching the fountain, at the end of the round, you get one victory point. You also get a victory point if you killed another opponent's model that was also touching the fountain mm-hmm. in that round, right? Um, and then we just played it off and said, Hey, let's do it. So we did the priority rolls and, you know, and then just kind of rolled off and everybody had their abilities. And it actually, I think because we only had four models per war band, you know, there were only 16 models on the table. It played probably as fast as yeah. a normal game of war cry. And we totally. had four players going cool. and it was really bloody in that fountain. I mean, that fountain was filled with blood by the end of that, uh, <laughs> end of yeah. that battle. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It didn't feel that imbalanced, even with all of our things. But I mean, at the end of the day, everybody, I think we let one person bring, I think we let Javi bring a 195 point because he didn't have as many. I, I had one 195 point. Did you have a 195? Well. Yeah. But I think we um, changed it to 195 yeah. plus. But it was yeah. cool to have just kind of big boys swinging at the, uh, at the fountain the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was yeah, the first I mean, one we played. Yeah. Like, what was cool about this is we sat down. And we kind of put out the terrain and we're like, okay, so how are we going to play this? Because all, all that we came to the house with was bring four models, no more than a thousand points, you know, and, and stay over 200 for each model. Right. 
So yeah. we're like, okay, all right, let's do it, right? And I said, well, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring a basically a, an Auric War Clan list. I had um, a Killer Boss on a Nash Tooth. I had a Mega Boss. I had a Brute Boss with a Choppa, and I had a, um, a Gorgrenta with a Jagged Hacka, right? So yeah. You know, I brought one from each. Uh, well, I guess I didn't bring any from Bone Splitters. Poor Bone Splitters, but it I does didn't bring seem any from... made for destruction and chaos for yeah, sure. Totally. Yeah. No, you can, you I brought flesh eater quartz. Yeah, you could find some order stuff, maybe. Like you could get some Kurnoth. Oh, actually, Casey brought Kurnoth hunters. Um, he had three Kurnoth hunters and uh, and a um, uh, an arch revenant. I'm gonna share uh, another for screen here. Show some better. Pictures. Oh, was one of them a bow Kurnoth? Yep, yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which the they didn't right do too well, but um Yeah, I wouldn't expect but, yeah. that to do very well. So, but, here here's okay. yeah, here's our setup that we have here. You see like we were we're like, "All right, so three yeah, inches in the cool. corner." And we're like, "Well, actually our models don't really fit there. Just try to get it in there as quick like, yeah, as just squeeze as them can, in." You know. So, but <laughs> we set up the table and we kind of set this up and we're like, "Okay, so what are the rules?" And we're like, "Okay, well the fountain's the big thing." And and literally, like, we were making the rules of this game up, like, on the spot. We're like, okay, well, if you touch the fountain, then you get a point. Cool. Well, what if you kill something? Well, you get a point if they're touching it and you kill it, too. All right, cool. Let's play that. Let's see how it goes, right? And it was literally, like, us just kind of, like, well, what feels right here? You know what I mean? Like, we're playing this, yeah. like, Battle Royale. Like, what sort of feels right? And we played it. And we're like, hey, that worked out pretty good. Like, it was, it was a lot of fun. I will say that my Nash Tooth, um, he got shanked so bad <laughs> so bad the first game you can see it happening right here in this picture you see that myrmidon coming up on the left right there yep. to my killatooth yeah he did 30 points of damage in one swing mm -hmm. one swing and so the second swing he killed him one activation he was totally wiped off the board yeah you don't want fast wins. guys in those battle royales no no you want to so you want to be as slow as you can possibly be in those games for sure yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah no i mean it was a, it was a lot of fun and and um you know like with the battle royale everybody's going after everybody and um you know it was really good well you know what's funny is who won that was casey casey won it yeah. with his um uh what are they called the little bird people yep oh really his, just yeah, like he brought two strike talents from Corvus Cabal. Yeah, you can see, I see him right in that here. Picture, he's not scoring any points right now. So he's now, scoring right? a point right here with this guy. Oh, because he's got a he's got a FOMO crusher. Okay, yep. yeah. so he's yeah, got yeah. a FOMO crusher and then a Myrmidon, right? So these yep. two guys came in. Those guys are going to do a lot of work. Yeah, they came and in they and did, did a lot of work, and then he waited back with these guys, and one of these guys swooped down and actually stood on top of the fountain to get him a point. And in the next round, he came in and just wiped up and cleaned up. So he. He he got points for denying us points, and then he was next to the fountain, so he got like right. doubled up swing, right? Yeah, yeah. Those and he FOMO just hung back. Are incredible. I've been playing uh, my FOMO Crusher a lot lately, and it is it is such a beast. I've been doing it with my um, uh, Jade Obelisk, and it's yeah, it's been incredible how how well they've been yeah. working. I will tell you, it uh, <laughs> I, it is a fun gameplay. It is a fun gameplay you know i on on one round just the way the priority went i had uh -huh. one guy go 
and then everyone, all the other players attacked, all wiped out my entire rest of my warband. Yeah, so on yeah. one, I had one activation on one round, and then I was out of the game. But I still well, tied for, I still got second place yeah. on that game. That's the yeah. thing about like the wacky things. Yeah. You know, if they were so good, that would be the game, right? right. They're really good the first time. Uh, which yeah. which totally justifies it, right? You only have to run it once, um, and they're probably decent the second time too, right? And then uh, and then once it's not as good anymore, you just move on to a different variant. Um, so so cool. let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about our second variant, Justin. Why don't you describe it? <laughs> so so the second variant was kind of hilarious. We took the fountain out, and it, it started as a joke. We're like, okay, so what happens if we replace the fountain with a terror guy? <laughs> okay, so, so we ran the same scenario. You had to, the terror geist was in the middle now. You had to run up and touch the terror geist, okay, uh -huh. for one victory point. And if you, again, if you killed someone next to the terror geist, it was a victory point. No, we and actually made it two points. There. Oh, yeah, Didn't we made we? it two points. Uh, no, 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 that was a later. Thing oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, right. Yeah, so it was one point if you down. killed them. Um, <laughs> but uh, And then we said that if you killed the Terrorgeist, whoever killed it got five victory points. And then it basically became a game of football after that. You got the head of the Terrorgeist mm -hmm. and the treasure. It basically became a treasure mission until the end of round four, right? Oh, cool. And so, um, so hilariously, like, we... Um, had it in there, and we realized in round one that we had to double the terror guy's hit points because <laughs> yeah. we had all of these like yeah, beefy yeah. <laughs> guys coming in. He would have died in one round, like literally one round. And so, um, he uh, we, we had them all come in, and we're like, okay, we need to double it, and we can't we can't start to um bracket him until it's like the normal bracketing. Like, he went he took like 60 points of damage before he started to bracket, you know, mm -hmm. and um. Basically, we gave him three, or we actually gave him four activations. Because what we did Making is, after everybody relevant. went, yeah. then he then he went. And the rule that we made was, he would go after the bloodiest model that was around him. Like, whoever oh, had taken the most damage, right? Whoever had taken the most wounds, he would attack. Yeah. Okay. So, um... But it would and, only attack the same model once per, per battle round. Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. So yeah. uh, and then he, if people were of equal wounds, you would just roll to see who he would attack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he went down in round two. Um, my Gorgrenta killed him. Um, and again, it was like a lucky part of activation because, like, basically what happened is somebody had knocked him down to like eight wounds or something like that, and the Gorgrenta came in with onslaught right and and whacked him and was able to pick up his head. And then he ended up running to the back, and you can kind of see in this picture, like he's stuck behind this thing back there because that was like the best place he could go. You can uh -huh. see the terror guy's head on the back of his thing. Oh, right there. cool! Yeah, I had yeah. it magnetized, so he just popped it off and put yep. it on his mount. <laughs> I remember that terror guy. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's the funny thing: because he's a mount, he couldn't go under the archway, and he was base was too wide to go around it. So he was literally stuck in that area. Yeah. Right, right there. But that was his only place to go from where he had caught it. And so it just ended up becoming this like whole like everybody just go over there and attack. And um we had some great battles that were, were going on there. My my brute my mega boss right there came in and started cleaning house on the right. My brute mm -hmm. boss right there on the left ended up killing the um spite revenant or not spite revenant, the um the arch revenant up there that's like hanging out up top. Um 
and it just it just was a lot a lot of fun that we had um playing this game and it was all rules that we just kind of made up on the spot that started mm-hmm. out with like well hey we all have a bunch of big models let's just get together and play a game and i think that that's kind of the point of tonight's like podcast which is um you know we on the show we talk a lot a lot about you know tournament play we talk a lot about competitive lists like what's good what's bad and sometimes we don't give i think warcry the credit that it's due of being just a really fun goofy game to play sometimes yeah you know where you can just get together with your friends and have some pizza and and hang out on a friday night and play some wonky scenarios that you make up on your own Mm -hmm. and um i think warcry is really really good for that because i do think that the fighter the fighter profiles for the most part are very well balanced out. They're kind of self-contained balanced, meaning that the points that they are, are usually pretty accurate to the profile that they have. You know, um, there's a couple of exceptions of course, but um, like with these, all these fighters, if we said all 200 yeah. and above, so like two, 250, 300, but kept it within a thousand, all of our war bands were pretty balanced to be honest mm-hmm. with you. You know, like we didn't have anybody that was like too crazy, too wild. I mean, Casey had the Kurnoth Hunter, um, and he was able to. Um, he, Casey ended up winning this with his Kurnoth, with his mm-hmm. Sylvanith, because just the way that things worked out and people killing people. And when my guy died, he was able to run around and pick up the head and run away in the fourth round, you know, yeah. like stole it nice. right at the end. The, so, the, yeah, I think the yeah. other, another big thing about Warcry that makes it fun is that it's mechanically it's extremely easy to play mechanically yeah, yeah. like you just mm-hmm. you get your little card it's your turn to attack you roll the dice you know what you're supposed to hit on the damage you do there's no like this ability triggers and that one does and there's a wound roll and a save roll and then there's you know another yeah. a death roll and just all it's just roll the dice and then we move on it's really easy to play yeah. you can put fun lists together and play it Mm-hmm. play it uh really quickly without having to like open a codex right yeah 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 i think a lot of people online talk about like oh we need more balance updates we're not the... but like that's when if you really want to win yes the current points algorithm is very exploitable um especially if mm-hmm. you know like the rumble pack is extremely exploitable and the yeah. the core book if you don't have ley lines in the pack it's extremely exploitable but like you don't just trip fall and end up exploiting something in like a right. in, yeah <laughs> in, in a wacky setting um you have to you really have to do it on purpose um which i think is a sign of a really good game um i sent you a couple maths i don't know if it's too late to uh put them up on the screen but um my play group does a ton of three-player games anytime we have an odd number we have a three-player game um and we just drop it down to 800 points um yeah. and the the three-player deployments in the core book kind of suck um so we we grabbed these these were created ages ago like before i even played Warcry. uh someone put them in tga uh someone who just really loves trigonometry because the core book <laughs> deployments are built for four player mm-hmm. yeah uh and they just don't work for three. Like if you play three player on the core book deployments, they um, whoever is being sandwiched on either side just auto loses every time. And it's 
it's mm -hmm. not that fun. Um, but these deployments like really hold up as far as, um, you know, making it fair, but also having a multiplayer game on just a Warcry board. And then we, uh, a little bit like you guys did with the fountain, we kind of just come up with our own missions. Like we've played the ones that are in the core book, uh, which are there's King of the Hill and mm -hmm. then there's um, Last Leader Standing wins. And those yeah, are fun, yeah. but we've added two more, which is one is you do four objectives where one is in the center and then each player places one. And then each turn you get one point for each objective you control. And because four doesn't divide into three very well, uh, right. you know, you get drama and it's it's really fun. And then we do the same thing with treasures sometimes instead. Um, and that's cool because nice. it's just like it favors a slightly different build. Uh, so that's kind of my two cents. I love the wacky stuff that you guys did. But um, but yeah, so this is what this is what my group is has been doing. The only thing we change cool. here is. Um, those round three deployments, we make them round two because it's mm -hmm. no fun to have one of your groups show up uh, and not get to do yeah. anything. And, yeah. and so we changed it all to round two. Yep. These are uh, these are great little deployments for a three three person game is really hard. Obviously, four person game like you each have a quadrant and can figure that out. And the core rule yeah. book has a good layout for that, right? But three players, right. uh, yeah, like you said, totally uh, much much trickier. Yeah, we, we kind are... of found that same thing out in Frostgrave, didn't we, Jason? Uh, yep, it's the same yeah. deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so now, is that with one board? Who... What? Is oh, yeah, with... just one board because we okay. dropped down to 800 fighters so it doesn't get too crowded, yeah, um, or 800 points so it doesn't get too crowded. Um, and then, yeah, this person's a trigonometry enthusiast. I would love one day to do a 3v3 on two boards. Um, oh, that'd be cool. I even picked out how I would do the deployments. Um, I need to like create an actual like mission pack card, like I did for my. Uh, I did a video um, like doing an entirely custom sort of missions, uh, but I need to do it for three v three. I really wanna. I really wanna run a three v three one day on two boards. I think that would be so cool. It would take hours, though. I think. Yeah. That's the one drawback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally but it would be a blast though it would be yeah. fun for sure yeah. you know i so, think our games our games were only like an hour and a half maybe maybe but, but it was Honestly, only because maybe. because they we only had four models each right so, right right yeah. for sure because it was an and they game. were dying very quickly yeah you to know each other. like i mean we had some beefy hitters in there that were just like it was hilarious because you're like i did 30 points of damage he's still up okay let me swing again yeah. <laughs> like oh geez okay <laughs> yeah maybe if it was just like no objectives so there's no like incentive to have a horde and then then yeah. you could do 3v3 pretty easily yeah that right i'd be curious about how how that could work um yeah but i really want to try it because i've never done a two board game um right yeah so would be interesting yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, the, again, the whole point of this discussion today is to help you know folks realize that look, there's a total fun side to Warcry that um, we don't often talk about on the podcast because you know we love prepping for tournaments and playing in tournaments, and that definitely scratches an itch um, mm -hmm. that that uh, you know our competitive itch that we have. And and uh, you know, I I heard one person comment the other day saying like, oh, you know, all of this competitive um, kind of uh, 
uh, you know, min-maxing type stuff is probably going to be the downfall of the game. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I think I think that actually um, is what keeps the game in a living setting because, like, there's always more that you can do and as new things come out, like, you know, that competitive, that competitive aspect of it is what keeps 40K AOS, like, you know, yep. kill team. That's what keeps those games, like, continuing to be bought and played and sold. Um, but with Warcry, you can absolutely get into it where you're just having fun and just just have some fun with it. And so I think sometimes if you're if you feel like you're kind of feeling stuck in a rut about tons of tournament prep or you know you're just you're just playing it to just kind of be super competitive, just relax, you know, and and one weekend just just play some fun stuff, come up with some wacky scenarios for yourself. Um, you know, and again, my basis of starting for something, and in, in my opinion, is set some criteria around the armies. Like again, mm-hmm. five models, thousand points, four models, thousand points, whatever you want to do, you know, four models, 800 points. Like if you just, whatever you want to do, like just do it. And I would say start with the points because the points will sort of balance everything out. Um, you know, and then you can kind of come up with whatever mission that you want to, and then, then just roll with it. You may yeah. realize that it's not balanced at all, but you still had a great time. And the narrative rules work for this too. Um, because they create some really wacky stuff. As long as you get Gristle Grinder and uh, and was it Stormbringer out of the game, uh, narrative is is really really great for creating those kind of wacky novelty moments, and uh, mm. and that can be really sweet. Um, it especially works if you if you're not into kind of homebrewing your own scenarios. Although actually homebrewing your own scenarios also works really well with narrative. Um, but yeah. the fact that you know, we don't have time to sort of review all the narrative things or or talk about how to list build wacky things um, mm-hmm. in this podcast. But but those are both really cool things to explore for people that I would encourage. Um, you know, I've done two campaigns or I've done campaigns with two war bands and and really enjoyed both of them. Um, I'm kind of itching to do it again once i'm um kind of back into warcry i'm taking a little break because i'm expecting a baby but um but once i'm back in i am kind of itching to to do some campaign stuff because uh those narrative games can can be really interesting especially once both players have an artifact or two um Mm -hmm. yeah they can be really cool artifact and lots of renown built up yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for narrative, we have uh, one of our Warcry packs on our Patreon has a bunch of narrative in it. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, that's something to look at. Sure. And then we'll release. I think we're going to release these battle royales here soon. That have a couple different play styles just for fun. But uh, yeah, good, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, d- just remember, guys, this is a game, right? At the end of the day, and you're supposed to be having fun. So if you're feeling a little burned out on the tournament and stuff, like go have some fun with it and. Um, you know, uh, and the best part about it is you can just totally make it up. And mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, we, we did that the other day and just absolutely had a blast. And I mean, it's one of those things that I'm just watching Javi utterly destroy my Nash tooth. Right. And I'm just like, I hate you so much right now. You know, and yep, I mean, yep. you can just kind of be super dramatic and over dramatic about it and have, you know, a great time that you kind of can't do in tournament. You don't want to show any emotion in a tournament because that's, you know. A little bit of weakness, and well, so, you you kind of yeah. do sometimes, though. There's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta have fun in tournaments too. You do, you do, but you know, I mean, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't speak to my a tournament person the way I was speaking to Javi in this fun in this Third, fun yeah, game. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it didn't at the end of the day it didn't matter and we're just having a great time, right? So yeah. Yep. Um so it, tons of fun, but we highly we highly recommend it. But um, anyway, thank you everybody for uh, joining us tonight. We uh, we hope we you had fun with the show tonight. If you've got any questions, comments, if you feel like we're totally off base on something, let us know. Like we said, we can uh, catch you in the Discord chat. You can also hit us up on social media or leave a comment in this YouTube video. We'd uh, uh, love to hear from you. So we appreciate everybody um, and all your support uh, with this. And uh, if you've got um, a topic that you'd like us to explore, just uh, feel free to hit us up and let us know because um, we want to make sure that we're making this podcast relevant for you and and uh, you know what you guys are interested in. So thank you so much. And um, with that, uh, have a good night, and we'll see you all at the tables. Good night.